Okay, okay. I got this. Welcome to what? <laughs> Jacob, why don't you find this out? All right. I'm going to use that just so we're clear. <laughs> what? <laughs> Welcome to Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. This is Jacob here with <gasps> B. Hello. <laughs> I, I am having some trouble with my words today. Words are hard. Yeah. Be words are hard. Be what is bringing you joy right at this moment? What is what is bringing you joy? Uh that Dwayne is asleep. My cat has been meowing at me the whole day, and has been like trying to open the door just because I cracked the window because it was kind of nice today. So I cracked the window, and he was like, "I smell freedom." Mm. But now he's taking a nap, so I am happy. Good. What about you? Uh, so today I went to my first restaurant like to eat at a restaurant outside. I was outside on a patio with- I am. I was about to judge you really hard. I went to Triple George Grill downtown with former uh, Wild and Free guest, Rodney. And I had my favorite salad that's offered in the city, which is the Buffalo, uh, the like Buffalo chicken salad at Triple George. It's spectacular. It's like fried bits of Buffalo chicken with real blue cheese and blue cheese dressing. Oh, get out. Oh my God. I had it the last time we went. It's spectacular. We, you had it too. You got to try it. I miss restaurants. Let's move on from right. this. Yeah. <laughs> so, crying. so that, that's, that's, that brought me joy. Um, but I was glad I didn't go inside because I'm still not doing that. Um, yeah, no, but you anyway, we have, corona. we have with us today. Uh, we are very excited. We have Randy Fieldler, who is a, public defender specializing in capital cases. So he's with us here today. We are going to talk about uh, voting for judges and the importance of voting for judges here in Nevada. So Randy, welcome. We're very excited to have you on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I, I love the show and uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about an issue that's pretty important to me. Randy, but first of all, tell us what is bringing you joy lately? So uh, Jacob gave me a heads up that this was going to be one of the questions that you all asked me. And I thought really hard about it because I wanted to have a really good answer to this. And I think the best answer I can give is to shout out my favorite taco restaurant right now, which is Bahamar oh my God. Um, with its fried fish and fried shrimp. And I guess they do grilled stuff too, but I always get the fried things. So definitely, definitely Bahamar. Y'all are making me hungry. Um, my favorite Bahamar thing is that they have like a spicy, spicy shrimp tacos. E Dios mío, they're so good. They're like slap your mom. No, you know that that's not that's not a thing that we do in El Salvador. No, not your mama especially. Oh, she would she's slap me saint. back. And she's a saint. Yes, she's a saint. <laughs> We're gonna tell her to listen to this podcast. Right. She gets a special call out. She's yes. a <laughs> All right. Well, oh, B, were you going to say something? You looked. Yes. I was going to go to the next important question, right. which is Randy, tell us why you vote. So uh, it's interesting because I, I think my relationship to voting has changed uh, a whole lot since I, um, like, after I went to law school. Um, I think before I voted because voting is important and I, you know, care about democracy. 
obviously we it, we see what's going on in the national headlines. But after law school, and particularly after I started practicing as a lawyer, and seeing how much of our lives are actually not affected by national politics, but by state politics, um, I really like brought home to me the importance of voting in these local elections because the vast majority of the laws that we as citizens interact with are not the federal laws, but there actually are local laws, whether it be the county or the state government that is regulating us. And so for me, I vote because I really care about those issues. And I obviously I'm a criminal defense lawyer, so I care about criminal justice issues. And I see every day how those, how those votes matter, how our elected officials are reacting to the people who voted for, for them. So I, I just think it's really important and it, it's a fundamental part of how our society functions. This is super important because there's so many people that only vote on these big elections, right? When there's a presidential uh, campaign going on and no, all of them are important. Even if, even if it's just like the city council, Yeah. those, those people are going to be the ones that are going to tell you what color to paint your house. Just kidding. That's it. That's, 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 that's other people that have. Yeah, I don't like them either. No, but I mean, like, the city council and county commission are super important because they do determine a lot of, you know, what it is we deal with every day. And that's that's super important. So, so Randy, and I, for me, when I moved to Las Vegas, or moved to, you know, Nevada, voting for judges was, like, a super strange thing to me. Like, I, I was like, wait, we vote on these people? So I come from Colorado where they're appointed and it depending on the level that they're at they're appointed either by the governor you know by the city by the county and then they may run for retention but they don't ever run you know to be elected in the first place so can you talk to us a little bit about you know how would you introduce that idea to maybe somebody who's new to nevada um and whether or not you know like kind of your thoughts on like why it's important and, and why maybe this is unusual to vote for judges. Yeah, so I um, fell into a little bit of a rabbit hole thinking about this because uh, there are a lot of great and fascinating histories of Nevada um, that also intersect with like legal things that I care about. So um, I, I'm going to offer the Nevada specific answer because I think it's hilarious and I think it is also very much in tune with the the purpose of this, this podcast. Um, in 1864, when Nevada adopted its constitution, the territorial courts were notoriously corrupt, like just savagely corrupt. Everybody was constantly talking about how corrupt they were because they weren't really regulated by anyone. They were kind of um, like made up on the spot and primarily were dealing with with um, like mining disputes. And so like one of the histories I was reading yesterday was talking about how like, it's not exactly like common law and there's not really like a statute. It's kind of just like the judge hears both versions of what the local practice is and then makes a decision. Um, and as you might imagine, this did not, this was not conducive to a functioning uh, civil society. So when the, the framers, the, the like constitutional delegates got together to, to draft the Nevada constitution, they hated the judiciary and had a very low opinion of it so they felt that electing our judges was a necessary step in like sort of providing a check against the against corrupt judges which is why uh we have this rather unique aspect of the nevada constitution 
which I didn't realize until I was looking into this. Um, apparently, two thirds of our legislature could vote to remove a judge, which I really sounds like impeachment, except the Constitution mm. explicitly says it doesn't have to be as bad as an impeachment offense. Like if there's just like a reasonable reason to get rid of a judge, then our legislature can get rid of them. What is um, what is an example of that? Wow. Like? So I, I don't as far as I know, it has never been utilized because it's such an absurd provision. Um, but like, I guess in theory, if if you were just really upset about even like a justice of the Nevada Supreme Court, you could write your legislator and be like, hey, you and two thirds of your buddies should like do something about this. Oh my God, I just found out some powers that we have that I didn't know we had. This is exciting. I'm going to start looking into judges' Twitter accounts and see who we need to, can't, you know. That is such a Nevada answer, though, about why it, we vote for judges. It does feel very, uh, very characteristic. <laughs> um, I, I feel like there's also a more contemporary answer that might be uh, uh, more constructive because I, I think corruption in our courts is not quite the problem that it was in 1864. But I do think like, the general sentiment is, is still applicable, which is that I think as a society, citizens of Nevada feel like they want to be able to hold their judges accountable. And so we like the idea that every six years we're voting on these people. And if they're not doing a good job, then we can vote them out and replace them. Mm. I, obviously, there are some serious uh, problems with this system. But I think as we're seeing with the current debate about who is going to replace Justice Ginsburg, a system of uh, appointed judges it has its problems too. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because the people don't have a direct voice if the judges are appointed, um, which, yeah, we're definitely, definitely experiencing that now. And we have like all this administration. There's been so, so many horrible people being appointed to judges. And this is not just to the Supreme Court, just like all over the place. And there's nothing that we can do. And this is going to affect our lives for so freaking long right like we can vote the orange man out but but the judges are going to stay there so it's well, good that, in nevada well that's we, a bummer we... <laughs> yeah you know it to try to um be a little more uplifting i to go back to what i was saying earlier i i think it's important to remember or i guess i would point out that because the vast majority of our interactions with the law are our interactions with state law and, and city law and, and county law. Our, our local judges are, I think, in a very practical way, much more important than our federal judges. And, you know, if there are any federal judges listening, I, of course, respect your Article Three authority. I'm not trying to <laughs> diminish or belittle it. But I also think that if tomorrow I were going to commit a crime, I would most likely be looking at a state court judge. Right. Not that I'm planning on committing a crime tomorrow, just for the record. If Kavanaugh, if Kavanaugh were listening to the podcast, what do you have to say to him, Jacob? Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But it, I mean, it is it is true. And like, I mean, and, and one thing that I discovered uh, going through the process, you know, it's like a family court judge is who signed off on like my divorce. And, you know, if there's if if there are kids in a custody battle, like it's a family court judge that's going to be deciding that that's somebody we elect um you know and so it's even those matters that are not criminal that are that are civil matters that you know if you happen to sue somebody 
that's going to be heard by a judge here in the state. And that's important for, you know, you to know something about that person, or at least like know that those are the people that are deciding those things. So Randy, word on the street <laughs> has it that your friends come and ask you, like, how do I, you know, how do I figure this out? How does a mayor, like just somebody that may be new to voting, go in and, and does research on like how to vote for judges, you know, like who to vote for. Cause like, for example, me, I would probably just go and see if they have a Twitter and I would be like, well, if I like some of your tweets, then, then I may vote for you, but, or, or maybe the picture sometimes, you know, I'm a very visual person, but so how does a person go about really finding out how to vote? So I, you know, I think that question goes to the heart of the greatest difficulty that elected judges present. And I'm not sure that there is necessarily a great answer to that question, because at the end of the day, judges are issuing orders that are highly technical. And I, you know, in theory, our law is the citizen's law and it should be approachable and understandable by an everyday citizen. I think the reality is that the law is is complicated enough. It, it is very difficult for a non-lawyer to weigh whether a given decision was was right or wrong. And so I think as a as a non-lawyer, it, it is very, very, very difficult to research a judicial candidate and and be successful in weighing what whether that candidate is, is going to be a good judge. I think what I would recommend, one, is ask your lawyer friends. If you don't have lawyer friends. <laughs> I was um, going to be like, are you trying to get some new friends? Like, <laughs> do, do lawyers need more friends? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's all because lawyers are socially awkward individuals. They don't know how to make friends. <laughs> so they try to get really informed about judicial candidates, hoping that the, uh, the girl next door will ask them about it. <laughs> <laughs> we need a hashtag, befriend a lawyer. Yes. Uh, I think the one easy way to do it is to look at um, organizations that endorse candidates that are are organizations that that you're sympathetic to. Um, A lot of organizations that are involved in politics in Nevada endorse judicial candidates. Uh, One of the difficulties is, though, is that a lot of organizations also do not uh, um, endorse candidates. Uh, In particular, a lot of Lawyer organizations do not endorse candidates because, as you might imagine, it's it is a little bit of an awkward situation. If I were to endorse a candidate on this show, which I specifically asked to not have to endorse anyone or, or request have endorsed, but but say uh, Jacob or B just wanted to really put me on the spot and be like, "Do you endorse so and so?" If I were to answer that question, I would have to answer it knowing that I'm probably going to appear before that judge at some point. And that judge may remember what I said about them and hold it against me or not hold it against me. But the point is I, as a, as a person who has this special knowledge have to kind of make a judgment about whether it's safe for my clients for me to have an opinion about, about these candidates. Um, I think the other thing which I um, maybe is the, the dream way of researching candidates is we actually have a lot of social science research that kind of informs what and how we consider processes to be fair. And so I think what if you wanted to do fresh research on your, your own, I would suggest thinking about what do you think is a fair process? How have you been treated in a way that makes you feel like the process was fair? And, and 
what the social science tells us is that there, there are four factors that are generally considered. I apologize. I'm going to kind of read my notes for, for a second. Um, Please if we have a voice, <laughs> if we have a voice in the process and feel like we can express our concerns, um, if we feel like the decision-making process is neutral and fact-based, um, if we feel like the interpersonal treatment reflects uh, politeness and respectfulness, and lastly, if we feel like the decision-maker is benevolent. And the reason I mentioned these four factors is they kind of have an intuitive common sense um, sense to them. I think you could take those factors or take whatever you think about fairness and look at a judge's background and weigh that against the, the factors of fairness and ask yourself, is this the kind of background that tells me this person knows what fairness requires? Is this the kind of background that tells me that this is a lawyer who has fought for fairness, who has been on the other side, who has seen unfairness, who has seen injustice, and has tried to make justice happen. And I think, you know, in, in our imperfect system where we're asking our citizens to do their own research and, and vote on judges, uh, to me, that seems like the best way of, of going about it, even if it's not necessarily the greatest possible way. Right. So it's, so it almost sounds, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it sounds like it's helpful oftentimes to have judges who have maybe served as public defenders because they've at least been on the side of fighting for justice for clients. And, and we know oftentimes, I mean, our research shows us that, you know, not our research specifically, but research shows us that, you know, oftentimes the folks who are, you know, who are defended by public defenders are folks who have had a very hard time in life, whether it's because of their race, because of their ethnicity, because of their socioeconomic status, um, that they're, you know, not necessarily starting from the same place that, say, I as a white man would be starting from. So it's helpful that they understand kind of the way that the system works. Yeah, and if I could uh, back that up, I mean, I, I obviously I'm biased because I'm a public defender. Uh, but <laughs> are, I, you I, judge, are you gonna be a judge one day? Is this where I, 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 I don't know you? if uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's in the cards, but but we'll see. You know, who who knows uh, how I feel about the world in in six years? Um, uh, we got we got divs on your um, advertising on the campaigns. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna help you. We're gonna guide that. No horses. No. no, yeah, yeah. I, I, I gather from our an earlier conversation, I should not stand next to any horses mm -hmm. on a, in any photos. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think that the experience of being a public defender or being a criminal defense lawyer um, is unusually good experience for the the temperament that we want out of our judges. And I, this is not to denigrate other kinds of experience. But public defenders, I cannot tell you the number of times I've spoken to a, a colleague and they have described a situation where it's like you are trying to be a social worker because you're trying to figure out how to help your client navigate all of these systems that are not working. And that experience, that experience of, of trying to see someone for in their humanity and trying to help them. I think is extremely relevant in understanding how the criminal justice system takes people in, turns them through the process, and then deposits them into the prison system. Right, and I, I remember a previous episode we had uh, in our in our first season, I think, was with the Clark County Public Defenders, and and they were specifically talking about like how when they have a client, 
you know, and I don't remember which which one of the guests we had on mentioned this, but it's like they have a client and they're also worried about, okay, so if they're in jail awaiting trial, there's no one at home to take care of their kids or to put food on the table. And that's an issue that's a, a real issue um, and that judges should understand is something that impacts members of our community. That it's just not like, oh, you know, it's great, you're waiting for trial, but like, what are the other issues that will impact that person sitting in jail awaiting trial? Yeah, what's going to happen to that person's job? What's going to happen to that person's kids? Um, Who's going to take care of the dogs? I mean, these are all really important questions. A, A lot of folks are the caretakers for other people. And so when they're, they're sitting in jail because the bail was set too high, we have to wonder if, if how, how constructive that is. We could have a whole episode about bail money. (laughs) Yes, we could. (laughs) Maybe, maybe for another time when we specifically talk about criminal justice reform in Nevada. (laughs) But anyways, that episode you know, we should link it on the episode I notes will. because that's the episode where I learned to ask, am I free to go? Hashtag, am I free to go? Right. I appreciated that. I was like, I was like, well, I should be writing all of this down when I was listening to that one episode. I was like, this is the one thing. Well, and I'll say I'm biased because I, if I remember correctly, literally all of the people on your show that day are my friends. <laughs> <laughs> but that that is like one of my favorite episodes of of this podcast and also like just full of very helpful practical advice randy how right. come you didn't get invited to that episode i don't i don't know you you should we should have them on the mm-hmm. show with me we can do like a jerry springer ask confrontation oh, my god don't get me excited with <laughs> <laughs> those ideas <laughs> That's our, that could be our, our post-election release, you know, like, like we're <laughs> yeah. all, the election has gone away that we're, we're more in favor of. I mean, cause let's be real. We're not going to be like, none of us are super excited about the November election as far as like countrywide. Like, obviously there's some great things that can happen statewide, but so hopefully everything goes our way. And then we're like, all right, we're going to have last episode of the season, <laughs> Jerry Springer, Public defender versus public defender. <laughs> oh my gosh! Battle royale. <laughs> what, what's funny is it would be an excessively boring episode because we would just be like, "Hey, what's up? It's nice right. to see you again." Yeah. Not if I moderate it. <laughs> You're like, we did we did a paternity test, and none yeah. of you were the fathers of each other. <laughs> so. Anyways, what were we talking about? Judges. Judges. (laughs) So, so when we, so obviously, like we we are having this episode because we want people to be informed about, you know, like the election in November is not just about who's going to be president. It is there are so many local issues um, that are going to be important. So, um, you know, when it comes to thinking about judges this year in Nevada, are there races that are of particular importance um, here this year? Yeah, so I, I think the race that I would probably, it, I, obviously, I, in their own way, each election is really important. And, and I obviously would love to see many of my professional friends and colleagues on the bench. But I, I think one race that sticks out as being very important is we, we have a, a race in the Nevada Supreme Court um, that is fairly contentious. It's a, a current district court judge, Douglas Herndon, um, is running against a current assemblyman, Ozzie Fumo. 
Um, Judge Herndon has been on the bench. I, I can't remember how long, but but a fair amount of time. Before that, he was a prosecutor with the Clark County District Attorney's Office. Um, Mr. Fumo, um, similarly, I cannot remember how long he's been in the assembly. I think one or two sessions. But his his other job is as a criminal defense attorney. Um, the, the reason this race is really important is that the Nevada Supreme Court really issues a lot of probably the most important decisions that affect the state. If you got arrested tomorrow, Jacob, the first place you'd appear is justice court, and then you'd go to district court. But if, if the district court judge did anything wrong in your case, you would take that appeal to the Nevada Supreme Court. And ultimately, the Nevada Supreme Court would, would decide your case, would decide whether to issue a published decision, which would have the effect of controlling law over the entire state. Um, and I think it's also important just because the candidates present kind of a, a contrast. Um, Judge Herndon is one of the individuals who prosecuted a gentleman named Fred Steese. There was a rather lengthy write-up about the case um, by, let me make sure I remember the magazine, by Vanity Fair. And I, I would urge, urge anyone to Google, if you can just Google Fred Steese, Vanity Fair, and the article should pop up. Uh, there, there were some fairly troubling allegations of evidence that was suppressed that that it seems like the district attorneys on the case knew about and failed to turn over. Eventually the case gets overturned on the basis that Mr. Steese was completely innocent. Um, and it obviously is, is a fairly troubling case for Nevada's criminal justice system because we, you know, we don't like having innocent people put into prison for, for lengthy amounts of time. Um, I think, too, the other thing I would note is that Judge Herndon's also the, the gentleman who, four years ago, um, chastised a public defender for wearing a Black Lives Matter pin in his courtroom, um, which became a whole thing. And the, the Review Journal did a write-up about it. Um, so, you know, I think on, on the one hand, you have sort of that experience, and that's the experience that, that this person wants to bring to the bench. Um, on the other hand, you have Ozzy Fumo, who you know, as an assemblyman, has really done a lot of good things for this state, has championed a, a, a good number of progressive causes, has really pushed the envelope on criminal justice reform. He, um, a couple, last year, he won uh, Nevada Attorneys for Criminal Justice Defender of the Year Award. Mm -hmm. um, Nevada Attorneys for Criminal Justice is sort of the statewide criminal defense organization. Um, they chose to give him the Defender of the Year Award because of the good work that he has done as a criminal defense lawyer and as an assemblyman for the cause of, of criminal justice. So, you know, and I obviously I'm sort of emphasizing that I'm not endorsing anyone, but I, I do think it's important to think about these two people and the experience that they would bring to the Nevada Supreme Court and what which person has experience that, you know, we feel is relevant to, to, to deciding really important cases deciding those cases fairly into like thinking about issues from the perspective of both parties. Um, I'm going to go ahead and endorse Mr. Fumo. I mean, I don't know. Do you get paid for endorsing things? People? Things. I mean, I think <laughs> some people do. We probably won't, but why not? I mean, we are very influential voices in the community. Heck yeah. Yeah, I mean, Maybe that's why I'm so honored to be invited on the show because of the great power and influence you both wield. Thank you. Y'all, 
I just had an idea. Dwayne is going to start in- <laughs> endorsing judges. I think that's a good... And other candidates. Oh, my God. <sighs> yes. <laughs> this is my side hustle, trying to make Dwayne make some money. <laughs> I mean, he is a handsome cat, so it works. And mostly, he right now, he doesn't pay for anything. Yeah, he's got to earn his keep. And, like, honestly, what is the point of having a pet? except to monetize it and make money off of it. That's right. <laughs> I hope Dwayne is not listening to this. He's going to give me an earful later. <laughs> He's going to bite you in the middle of the night and be like, what did yes. you say? Yes. It's like, I heard what you were saying. I was just pretending to nap. Uh, anyway. You never know. He might be like, wait, I thought you had monetized me. You're supposed to be my agent. Why are we not rolling in, in the, the big cash? Right. He's like, you're always taking pictures of me. How is this not making money? <laughs> Yo, we went from like trying to make him yeah. like make some money to like, why am I not like, like it's my fault. <laughs> I don't appreciate this. Because now it's like, it's my fault that he's not making any money because he's so cute and stuff. Oh, Dwayne. Well, I do. I and I endorse Dwayne endorsing. So. Oh, I, I like so. that. Yeah. Yeah. Brandy, can you endorse Dwayne endorsing? I, I endorse Dwayne, the the cat, as a official endorser of, of all things. Hell yeah. This is happening. Yeah. Can While we're at it, can... can <laughs> he can be the official Walden Free endorser. Yeah. It's true. It's going to happen. While we're at it, will he endorse my fantasy football team? I'm currently undefeated, and I, I really want to win the award this year, the trophy. No, nice that's work. not going to be an endorsement. That's going to be a blessing. What's your... Which he can also do. Randy, you what's know. your team name? What's your what's your fantasy team name? It's uh, RM Fiedler Corporation. Oh, nice. <laughs> Like it's, it's very industrial. What is yours, Jacob? Uh, the so right now I have just have two, and I think they're both the Battleborn Bighorns. Why? I like the, I like the alliteration, and I'm the only team from Nevada in one, and one of two teams from Nevada in the other. And the other Nevada team is the Sin City Serpents, who is currently Ooh. number one, and I I am undefeated, and I plan on taking him down. Oh, I I was about to say SSF, but City is with a C. Yes. Yes, it is. Telling you, words and me today, not not happening. Words are hard. Yes, just like life lately. <laughs> <laughs> that could be another. We're gonna get cool into episode. a counseling session, so let's get back. Let's, so so let's get back on focus, but. I think it is, I mean, Randy, I, and I, I think that's really important to, to understand the distinction because, you know, we just may see two names on our ballot and be like, oh, I mean, they're, they must both be like both good people because they're, you know, they've won, you know, the, the primaries and that's why they're on the, they're on the ballot. And I think it is really important to know that, you know, particularly the Supreme Court, which is the highest court in the state, that it is like, there's a clear distinction between the two candidates and we'll make sure I'll link the vanity fair article on our show notes. Um, and I do, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily remember that case. I think I was looking at the date. It's pretty close to when I moved here, but, um, but I do remember the judge 
chastising a lawyer for wearing a Black Lives Matter pin. I, I distinctly remember that. Um, and so that that was that was definitely something I was like, wait a second, I need to remember that guy because I will not vote for that guy. And this is this is why it's also very important for people to to learn to do some research before voting. Um, and it's way easier when people vote by mail because you you know you do get the ballot and you have some time to do that. But if you go the day off and you go not knowing anything, like you may be voting for the wrong guy. Right. We don't want that. No. No, and it and it is, and I will say, um, you know, and, and this year I found, or the primary, I found it very helpful that um, the Nevada Independent uh, website had a good elections guide for primaries, and not everybody like participates, but it at least was like a helpful guide, and I would imagine they'll have it for the election. I do not know, but um, I think that's, I think it's really important. Like, we'll make sure as the podcast to put out like websites, you know, where where there are is information and of course we are biased i mean we've never we've never taken the stance that we don't have like a political bias because we most definitely do have a political bias uh yeah there's a reason why we haven't had a single prosecutor on the show i I thought it because it's not only because they're bad guys just kidding (laughs) they're not bad guys i don't that's my hope no there's i mean i think there's definitely like some very you know we are not we are not demonizing an entire population of people, but um, you know I think we do obviously have a bent towards towards you know we've had the Clark County Public Defenders yourself and David Figler on so like we've got we've got some fairly like All criminal cool defense kids. attorneys <laughs> like pro criminal defense attorney. <laughs> you know cool. it. Um, I would uh, never accidentally humanize a prosecutor. Just kidding. If you're a prosecutor listening to this, I love and recognize your humanity. Um, but I, one thing that I do think is important is that as, as time has moved forward, we have, as a society, very much moved away from um, like judicial control over what happens with criminal cases and more towards prosecute, prosecutors' control. And, and the reason I say that is, one of the things that has happened is that we have all of these criminal statutes that criminalize things. And so when a prosecutor is looking at a case, they can choose to charge any number of, of offenses. And those charges then can, can can stack on top of each other. So you might have one um, incident that is resulting in decades of potential prison time, which puts a lot of pressure on you to take a deal and plead the case out. And the reason I, I think that's important is that it, you know, talking about like the kinds of experience that that um, are indicative of, of fairness, prosecutors are really the entity in the courtroom that are exercising the most power. I mean, courts are, con- the judges are constrained by what the law says. Uh, the defense attorneys are kind of constrained by the power that the prosecutor has in choosing what cases, what, what charges to file. The prosecutor really is just constrained by their imagination. Um, and if they're very creative, they can charge a lot of a lot of offenses, which which concentrates power in their hands, which is all the more reason why it's really important to be thoughtful about who our judges are, um, and in particular, like what experience is relevant to becoming a judge. Right. So, Randy, for people that like, if somebody wanted to watch a documentary or a movie to learn more about this, do you have any? Like, I know I'm putting you on the spotlight. 
because this just came to my head but do you have any like media recommendations or, or even another podcast or another or a blog or a twitter account or a whatever where people could get more information in a more digestible way so i uh i think there are uh, i have a like a million answers to this question um i i would say like the person this like individual person who i think is is probably doing the best work in criminal justice right now is brian stevenson so there is an hbo documentary i he's laughing um shout out also to john Pirro who introduced me to brian stevenson because i was kind of behind the ball on on learning about him. Um, there's an HBO documentary about him, which I think is very digestible. The, he did a TED talk that I, is, is one of the best TED talks of all time. He has a book called Just Mercy that I think is, is very compelling. Um, as far as like, it, he tends to focus a little bit more on death, the death penalty because he's a death penalty lawyer. Um, in terms of just general criminal justice issues, I, I do think The New Jim Crow is a really good book. I realize now it's already, I think, eight years old, so it's not quite as fresh as it was when it first came out. But a lot of what the the new Jim Crow talks about are, are still problems that we're having today. The as far as like a documentary, I think the documentary Thirteenth is pretty good, and and I think like kind of parallels a lot of the content that the new Jim Crow discusses. So I think those would be my uh, I real that was probably like ten recommendations. This is wonderful, though I love it. I did watch the team because I don't think it was because of you. I, it was it had been on my list for a long time, and I watched, and I was mad at everybody. And that's what it feels like to be a public defender. Oh my gosh! All the time, you guys are like the kindergarten teachers of the world. You know, because like you have to like have a passion for it, I guess, for like justice to go into this. Or are, you, or are you in it for the money? Just kidding. <laughs> blink, blink once. Just kidding. Uh, I, I think I get paid much more in passion for justice than I do in money, if that uh, answers your question. It's a good answer. Um, <laughs> I, I think you would find that, that most public defenders bring a, a good amount of passion to the job. It, it's a necessary part of it because... Um, we face a, an uphill battle and we are reminded of how uphill it is more often than not. Right. Also, Just Mercy got got made into a movie. Oh yeah, with uh, Michael B. Jordan in it. So cute. There you go, y'all. Go learn some <laughs> Right. Go learn some stuff. The and, fun the way. and the thirteenth is on Netflix, which I mean is super easily accessible for many people. Um and uh, I'm sure I'm sure the TED talks on YouTube with Brian <laughs> Stevenson. I got to see him in person. I went, so it was random. And I've only been to the the it's the American Alliance of Museums conference, and just so happened I've only been once. The year that I went, like he was the keynote, and and I knew who he was before I went, and I was like, this is the best time for me to go to a conference about museums as someone who's tangentially a museum professional, but who's more interested in social justice and like criminal justice than I am like museum administration, like just personally. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. That was that. And it was, and he was there. And then um, one of my favorite journalists, Melissa Harris Perry was also there. So like, I was like, this is super exciting that I get to see these, these are, in person. These, these are cool. Um, keynote speakers. Yeah. 
Well, Melissa Harris Perry was the moderator of a panel, but like Brian Stevenson, like he did his own, like no. his own keynote, like, and of course, like standing room only in this, this, you know, auditorium at the St. Louis convention center. And, you know, it was, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. Nice. I was, I was like, I was like, thank God I came to this conference as opposed to another iteration of the AAM. Not to say that it wouldn't have been awesome, but I went to like the one that was focused on diversity and social justice. And I was like, well, perfect. Right up your alley. Yeah. I was like, it doesn't make me just want to go to my favorite St. Louis brewery and go drink. <laughs> what I probably Randy, would have done. Randy, have you ever met Brian Stevenson? So unfortunately, no, I have not. Um, oh, we yet. need to make this I, happen. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I I think of myself as a, a reasonably decent lawyer, but I'm not I'm not so good that I get to to hang out with Brian Stevenson. Um, but you know, maybe some maybe someday. Yeah, yeah, it'll happen. It doesn't have to be in a professional way. Like you can just hang out know. outside of his house. And like maybe wait not outside of out. his house, but maybe you can find out what his favorite restaurant is. I mean, we just <laughs> bring in the there. We'll just like contact some organization with money and be like, "Hey, look, do you yeah. know who you need to bring to Las Vegas?" Well, Brian Stevenson, of course. Heck yeah! And I will pick him up from the airport. You'll just offer, just be like, "I'll pick him up from the airport." <laughs> yeah. It's cool. But, I mean, I, I definitely think there would be a lot of people in Las Vegas who would be extremely excited to see him speak. That that I think would be a. a uh, a room very easy to fill for sure yeah yeah especially i mean like, we're gonna make this happen since since the movie just mercy came out i mean i think probably that would more people are like oh michael b jordan and you're like no no wait wait the the actual guy although if we, Maybe had we can michael make b. Jordan both come... of them come yeah <laughs> yeah i'm I like there you go that's the combo right there we need to make them both come here that would be pretty sweet. All right. All right. So any conference planners that are listening to this episode, uh, you have your committee here to that will plan the keynotes. So you're good. Yes. It doesn't matter what professional association you're with. It doesn't matter. Well, we got it. Yeah. We're, it's done. Planning's done for you. You and Randy Boom. will pick Brian Stevenson up from the airport. B will pick up Michael B. Jordan from the airport. We're good. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> And then I'm going to give him a tour of the city. It's going to be like full service. Right. You'll take him out for some pupusas. It's it's great. Yes. And then he's going to be like, pupusas, where have they been my whole life? Oh, we went into a branch. What were we talking about? Brian Stevenson. That's yes. who we were talking about. So we're still, we're closer. Closer <laughs> okay. to the, where we it started. It wasn't that far off. <laughs> I mean, I do think an episode about pupusas, I, I'd be into it. Yeah. Ah. Uh have we not done that yet no i think we've talked about doing like well we've done food episodes but not like specifically on pupusas so which well we that's do. a mistake <laughs> right well well now that you're officially the co-host i think like this is now like you can determine this you can just be like look jacob we're gonna have an episode about pupusas and also your mom has to listen to this episode because i will never taste one as good as hers so. It's going to be an episode, like a Jerry Springer episode with pupusas. Like, we're going to make it happen when it's going to be, like, a combination of the two things. Right. 
Now I'm hungry. So on on that the, that note, since we do ask this um, also of, of our guests, um, and of course it's the time of COVID, so things are different. Uh, are there any specific restaurants or or places that a you're excited to go back to when it happens, or that you've relied on heavily during COVID? So I'm going to answer the one that I am looking forward to going to. Um, I have not had a bowl of ramen from Manta. Well, since all of this started, and that is my go-to ramen. Um, I don't think ramen lends itself to uh, like Uber Eats delivery. It's it's not. It doesn't work quite as well. So I've been jonesing pretty hard for that. And I, I'm a, I'm a person who loves his ramen. Me too. And especially I'm as it's going to get now. colder, it's like perfect ramen time. Is it going to get colder? <laughs> Climate change. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe in a couple of months. Maybe by the, maybe after the election. Yeah. Oh, the election. Why did I have to bring us down again? Right. As we're all hungry now. Yes. Sad and hungry. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a Friday afternoon for you, Jacob. <laughs> Just Uh, Well, Randy, is there any other words of wisdom you want to leave for our listeners about, you know, voting for judges um, as we rapidly approach the election? I read today that we will be getting ballots within the next two weeks mailed to us. Yeah, you know, I um, I so let me just preface this by saying what I Jacob and B were very kind in, in agreeing to move this podcast recording because we were originally scheduled to go on Friday and then we found out that Justice Ginsburg passed and I was um, not in a good mood after that. Um, but I've been thinking about about that a lot as, as many of us have. And I think, um, you know, piggybacking off of what we were talking about, how, how, how important our state judicial bench is and thinking about the fact that like the Nevada Supreme Court issues decisions that have a more uh, bigger practical impact. I just, I guess, um, want to say like, it, we have good courts in this state, we have good judges in this state. And it's important to remember that. I think too, I would know, because I know a lot of people were donating to campaigns over the weekend. But uh, $20 to a state campaign goes really far. And so you know, if you research a judicial candidate, or any candidate, but you know, obviously, I'm here talking about judicial candidates. Um, and you, and you really feel and believe in what they stand for. You know, I I would really urge you to donate to their campaign because even a small amount I think is very helpful for them. That's a really good. That point. is an excellent recommendation because I had never thought about giving money. Well, I've I I never really give that much money to campaigns. I started that fairly recently. Um, but I had I hadn't thought about giving money to any local campaigns. Yeah, and especially judiciary campaigns. Yeah, I've given to local campaigns, but I I had not given to judicial campaigns. But that's that's a really good point. Yeah, especially I mean, as you know, particularly this our Supreme Court issue is very important here. So great advice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Randy. It's been just a pleasure to have you on. I I know. Uh, uh- our our we've we had we've had some you know group chat interaction during some of the particularly watching the movie 13 and i think just mercy as well so it's been great to kind of have like this conversation in person virtually 
Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. This was a blast. Um, I'm looking forward to this Papusa slash Jerry Springer episode. So I, I hope that comes together. We're gonna make it happen. Um, yeah. And yeah, that thanks. This has been a lot of fun for me. Thank you so much, Randy, uh, for being here today. And um, so let's go over our team, which I never do the same in every episode. So it's Jacob and me, and then Allison, who is our Midwest representative at the moment. Then we have Jose and Ashley on production and research assistance, and their kiddos, the human kiddo, which is Sebastian, who is super cute. And then Raven, who is also super cute, but she has four legs and is a little shy. She's very shy. Yeah. So find us on the socials at Wild and Free Pod. And what else? How else do we close? That's it, right? Uh, Randy, do you want to share any socials with us? Do you, do you, do you, are you on social media? Do you have followers? Do you want followers? It's okay if you don't. <laughs> You know, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my client's Instagram account, um, Marshall looking with one eye. He's trying to make it as a viral internet star and that stardom has not found him yet, but, but maybe this will be the turning point for him. Okay. Well, we are obviously very pro uh, four-legged friend uh, Instagram account. So we'll make sure that Marshall gets his, his, his due uh, with us. So yeah, we'll link his account. Right. And Dwayne will endorse Marshall. So like that's yes, that's a, a hefty endorsement. That goes a long way. That's gonna be his one eye candidate, <laughs> right? All right. Well, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you later. Mm -hmm.